We magnify you, God. You're great, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. While you're standing, let's go to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 13 and read through verse 16 in your hearing. Amen. God bless each and every one of you. Welcome to the Church of Omaha. Amen. All of you joining us online, thank you for tuning in. And if this is your first time here, I greet and welcome you and bless you in the name of the Lord. Amen. 1 Peter 1, verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace of that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And I want to preach this morning in our first word on this title, Authentic Holiness. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, this is your church, not mine. You and your word alone can save, deliver, and heal us. You know every need, every struggle, every issue. So your word then is anointed and appointed for this moment. On the authority of your word, I bind every spirit of hindrance and loose your anointing to fill this place. For without you, we are nothing. So let there be a demonstration of your spirit and power and confirm your word with signs following, and let me walk in your spirit and not in my flesh. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Now, verse 13 begins with, therefore, which means anytime you see that word, especially in Scripture, you need to read what has been said before so that you understand to what it's referring in fact, one Bible college professor said it this way, when you see therefore in the Bible, find out why it's therefore. You will recall on May 7th, two weeks ago, that God anointed me to preach from 1 Peter in the previous verses, 10 through 12, revealing the glorious beauty of God's amazing grace and how angels desire to look into it. And also, how patriarchs and Prophets and psalmists desire and consider themselves pilgrims and inquire and search diligently for the revealing of God's salvation. You will recall, if you remember that message, that since humans such as those in the Old Testament and angels love God's grace so much and think it's amazing to that degree, then you and I also should take the more earnest heed to our salvation lest we slip away. And so therefore, since I know that you love God and that you believe His grace is amazing, the result of that diligent Passion is then to be authentically holy. Let me just right out of the gate say these words, and I want you to catch them. If it were impossible to be holy, Peter would not have quoted Leviticus. 
That phrase, be you holy for I'm holy, comes from Leviticus in actually three different places, chapter 11, 19, and 20. So again, if it were impossible to be holy, then God would have said something like this, hey, just do the best you can, and I'm going to grade everybody on a curve. That's not what God said, though, is it? He said, be holy, for I am holy. Therefore, it's possible to be holy. So the question then is not whether or not we can be. We know that. But the question is, how? How can we be holy? Well, I'm sure glad you asked. That's a wonderful question. It's one thing to say, be holy. It's one thing to read such a verse in the Bible, whether Old or New Testament, and read it and believe it. It's another thing to practice authentic holiness. So how do we obey this command from God? Well, let's take a look at the Scripture and see what the Bible has to say. How does that sound? Let's go back to verse 13 again. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. How do you gird up the loins of your mind? How do we understand that phrase? Well, the New Living just says it this way. Prepare your minds for action. The complete Jewish Bible says, get your minds ready for work. In other words, the first way that we practice being holy or practice authentic holiness is we've got to change our minds. Everybody say, change your mind. The battle to live holy begins in the mind. You have to change how you think about holiness. And when you do, the result or the actions or the feelings about holiness will follow. Watch. Everybody say this with me. Ready? I can control my thoughts. You're a great audience today. Ready? Number two, my feelings come from my thoughts. Watch. Therefore, I can control my feelings by controlling my thoughts. And by the way, that's not psychobabble, that's Bible. Oh, Okay, let me prove it. Romans 12, 2, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Renewing there means to change, to create a new pathway. To, if, if this way doesn't work, if this way is bound up, then go this way. Renew, refresh, rebuild. That's what it's describing here, to be transformed. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 tells us that you can bring your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Philippians 2, 5 says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 8 tells us that we are to think about things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of a good report. And in Colossians, it tells us to seek and to set our minds on things above, not on things of the earth. So it's not psychobabble what I just said. It's Bible. I can control my thoughts and therefore I can control my feelings. And so if my feelings are messed up about the subject of holiness, all I've got to do is get my mind renewed in the Spirit and change the way I think and my feelings will follow. Oh. The reason 
that you need to prepare your mind for action is because Jesus is coming. See, the rest of the verse, let, let's go back to verse, uh, 1 Peter 1.13, but this time I'm going to read it from the New Living. 1 Peter 1.13, New Living says, Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Wow. What's that saying? It's saying the reason I need to change my mind and be holy is because Jesus is coming. Do you remember a few weeks ago? Some of you will, some of you won't. Oh, well, I'll show it again for those that don't. I was over here and I said, this is justification. This is that moment when I repent and I'm filled with the Spirit. I'm baptized in His name, begin living for God, right? And the piano is, is, is glorification when Jesus calls me away. Remember that? But the process from that point to that point is called sanctification. You see... I'm in this part right now. And most of us are that are born again are in this part now. We've had that moment, praise God. We've had other similar moments to it, thank God. But we're looking for that moment when He glorifies us. And so the reason we should be holy is because Jesus is coming. And He's coming for a people that are holy. The Bible says without spot, without wrinkle, indicating holy, pure, blameless. Well, let's further prove that and take a look at 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. This is Peter's second epistle. He says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in them will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming uh, of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. I wish I had the time to really unpack these verses here in Second Peter, but just suffice it now to say, since I don't have all of that time, to, to tell you this. One of the greatest reasons for getting your mind changed and living holy is Jesus is coming. And if we'll understand that and realize that he saved us to make us holy, it'll help us to change our minds about holiness. John said something very similar in his epistle. 1 John 2, 28. And reading in through to chapter 3, verse 3, listen to this. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it is not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And look at verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him, what hope? The hope of his coming. The hope of his return. The hope that he's going to redeem us. The hope that he's going to glorify us. Everyone who has that hope, what do they do? Purifies himself as he is pure. 
Watch this, and I want you to catch this. You've heard me say it many different ways. I'm going to say it yet again, and and hopefully you draw the comparison of what I'm uh, getting at here. The measuring stick of our holiness is not a creed or a bylaw. It's the Word of God. It's Jesus Christ Himself. I'm purifying myself as He is pure. Jesus didn't say, love one another as John and Peter and James and Bartholomew loved you. That wouldn't be good. Because Peter got a bad attitude with Paul one time. (laughs) You know, I'm glad he didn't say it that way. I'm glad he didn't say, love one another like John. Because John got mad and wanted to call down fire from heaven and destroy people. He said, love one another as I have loved you. Our measuring stick is the Word of God. Our measuring stick is Jesus. Purify as He is pure. Why? Because Jesus is coming. So, change your mind about holiness and your feelings will follow. Again, going back to 1 Peter 1.13 and the New Living uh, version of that verse. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Put it there because he's coming back and be holy and be like him and purify himself, yourself because he is coming. Amen? Well, how do we continue to be holy besides change our mind? The next thing we do is we change our manners. 1 Peter 1, 14 and 15. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. That's the New King James. The King James says, be holy in all manner of conversation. That's why I chose manner, mind, manner, and I've got another M coming in a minute. Change your manners. The word manner there or conduct in the New King James, comes from a Greek word which means all manner of life, conduct, behavior, and deportment. In other words, everything I am, everything I do. In other words, let me put it in in Myron's lingo for a minute, and and this will be in the MTP commentary. The A, B, C, D, E, Fs of holiness. Are you ready? Attitude. Behavior. Communication, dress, everywhere, forever. Man, nobody's run the aisles on that. (laughs) A lot of people are writing notes, so I'll read it again. Attitude, behavior, communication, dress, everywhere, forever. Later today, my wife and I are going to leave for our vacation, our 50-30 vacation. And for those of you who don't know what that means, I turn 50, she turns 29 this year, and then we celebrate 30 years of marriage. I don't know how that's possible that she's 29 and we're married 30 years, but alas, it is. But 50-30, that's our 50th year of birth and 30th year of marriage. So 50-30 vacation. Anyway, we're leaving today. But guess what? I'm going to be holy on my vacation. Now, I'm not taking a single suit or tie. And I love all of you, but I ain't going to church while I'm on vacation because I am the church. I'm going to do some praying. I will do that. Okay. I will watch Wednesday night and be with you guys in that regard. Wave at you online. Hallelujah. Praise God. But I'm going to be holy. 
because it's everywhere forever. I'm not just holy when I'm here. I'm not just holy when it's my turn to preach. Oh. Some of you are afraid I'm about to start naming things. Some of you are worried that I'm going to start giving a laundry list, and I'm not. I just want to, I'm going to make that clear right now. Because let me tell you what holiness becomes. It becomes me saying, Lord, I'm going to change my manners. I've changed my mind. Now I'm going to change my manners. It's not about whether or not I need a do or do not do list more than being, how can I please you, Jesus? How can I live for you, Jesus? You see, being holy affects everything I do and everything I am every day. It's letting the Holy Spirit lead and guide me into all truth. That's not just the truth of the Bible, but that's the truth of who He says I am in Him. I believe a part of holiness, a part of sanctification is you realizing I don't need to hold on to that core fear or that core belief of my past and letting go of it and walking in who you are in Jesus Christ. That's part of attitude. That's part of behavior. That's part of communication. A lot of times when, when preachers begin to talk about holiness, they focus on the dress aspect. And certainly that's an element of it. But it's also realizing who I am in Jesus Christ and walking in that. It's understanding that truth. Did you know tithing is holy? The Bible says so. When you give your tithe, if you do it online or write a check or go to the ATM and get cash, when you put it in the plate or however you give, did you know you're practicing holiness? Amen. Loving one another is holy. Dressing modestly is holy. Purity in life is holy. You ever heard the phrase, you know, garbage in, garbage out? You ever heard that, right? Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever been walking through a store, and all of a sudden a song comes on, you're like, mm, 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 right? You just, right? Because you know the tune, you know the beat, whatever. Okay, you know the, the lyrics. That happened to me the other day. I'm going to date myself, and some of you might not want me to be your pastor after my vacation. But uh, we, we were on our stop coming back from Brooklyn's graduation. We stopped somewhere to get a um, bathroom break and, you know, drink or whatever. I come out, and all of a sudden, you know, Motley Crue, girls, girls, girls. I'm like, man, that's an old song. I was like, wow, blast from the past. And I was suddenly 16 again. I'm like, oh, my word. And for a moment, Brother Chris, I was like, mm, mm. I was like oh, wait a minute. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> wow. You know what I'm saying, right? Okay then don't tell me music doesn't affect you. Mm -hmm. I, I, I promise I'm not going to do this unless Jesus just absolutely tells me to. And if he does, he's going to have to appear in human form and tell me this to do this. And I'm not saying that to challenge him. I'm just saying when you hear what I'm about to say, you'll know why. But this elder preacher got up one time and he opened his Bible and he's getting ready to preach. And all of a sudden he just lets out a string of swear words. And, of course, everybody's like, you know. He says, what? You listen to it on your radios and on your TVs. You see, holiness is about what I'm taking in. Mm. 
Did you know children are great imitators? I know a true story of a man who was a drug dealer, and one day he's walking through the snow, and he feels something behind him, and he turns, and it's his son stepping in his footsteps in the snow, and the visual aid of that made him realize, I need to change my lifestyle because my boy's going to follow me. Children are great imitators. How many parents here can testify they don't do what you tell them to do? But how many of you can also testify they do what you do? So if children are great imitators, why don't we give them something great to imitate? Why don't we give them a life of authentic holiness to imitate? Well, is that all right? You see, our divided world needs a united church. Our unholy society needs a holy church. In a society that is absolutely confused about gender, the church needs to be abundantly clear about God. Satan is the author of confusion. So it's no wonder that so-called science of our sin-sick world has created 68 different possible genders. But God is the God of peace. And His peace is perfect. And so we need to be holy as He is holy. And we need to teach our children and our grandchildren how to follow a holy example. You heard it last week, Sister Alicia and my wife, both in their messages, giving us the, the idea that there's, there's others coming along. We've got to get them on the boat and, and others that are following us in little ships on the sea. We've got to be, live right so that they live right. Amen? L let me kind of dig deeper into understanding how we change our manners. Let, let's, let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Hallelujah. Jesus, hold the time back. Just pause it right now. Let it be 11.52 indefinitely. Okay. Amen. Good. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And look at the next verse in the next chapter. 7 verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, what promises? That He's going to walk in us and live in us and dwell among us and be our God and we be His children. All of that, right? Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. Everybody say outward. And spirit, everybody say inward. Perfecting or completing holiness in the fear of God. Holiness is not a burden, it's a blessing. Living holy is not an obligation, it's an opportunity for me to reflect God's light in a dark world. Being holy is not about regulations, it's about my relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Listen, I, I don't say this to sound rude or crude to uh, the United Pentecostal Church or to any denomination for that matter. But the fact is, I don't live holy because there's a creed somewhere or a bylaw somewhere or, or an affiliation somewhere. I live holy because I want to, because I want to please Jesus, because the Bible tells me to. Does that make sense? I do it because I love God. It, it, it comes down to realizing holiness is about a relationship with Jesus. Hmm. Well, that leads to verse 16. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And, and this third point I want to make is called change your mission. So change your mind. Change your manners. And, and watch this. There's a, there's a progression. If you'll change your mind, again, I can control my thoughts. Therefore, I can control my feelings, right, by controlling my thoughts, right? Okay. So if I change my mind, well, the result of that will be my manners will change. I'll begin to think differently about holiness. I'll begin to look at it. I'll begin to say, you know what? I don't want to listen to that, read that, wear that, go there, do that, etc. Not because there's a rule book somewhere, but because I want to please God. I don't want to invite spirits into my home. I want the peace of God to be in my home. I want the joy of the Lord to be in my home. I want the love of Christ to be in my home. And so I don't want evil spirit. I don't want immorality in my home. Amen? So I, I, a changed mind will lead to just automatically changing your manners. And that leads to a changed mission. Everybody say submission. Watch this. I'm going to break down that word for just a minute here. It's me being subject to the mission of God. Jesus did this. Lord, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What was he doing? He was subjecting himself to the mission of God. When I practice holiness, I'm subjecting myself to his mission. I'm submitting to God. How many of you want the devil to flee from you? Hope all, hope all of you at least are nodding your head. And if you want the devil to come pick on you, then devil, take notice. Okay, wherever you are, take notice. Don't pick on me. Pick on, right? No, you, I, know, I know all of you do, right? So watch this. If you'll submit to God and be holy, he'll flee. If you remain proud and unholy, then don't be surprised if... Okay, I'll prove it. James 4, 6. But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Pride is anti-holy. If, if humility becomes the root of me submitting to God and doing, then pride becomes the root of all unholiness. I want to do it my way. That's the spirit of Cain. I want to worship my way. That's the spirit of, of Korah. I don't need a Moses in my life. That's the spirit of Balaam. Well, I can't change God's word, so I'll try to infiltrate immorality. I don't want to be like Jude 11 talks about that. I don't want to be like that. I want to bring the more perfect sacrifice like Abel did. Amen? I want to submit myself to God. 
I don't want that roaring lion who goes about seeking whom he may devour to have his way with me. And did you know the Bible tells us there's a way to keep him away? Every, every two months we have a group come in and, uh, are they called uh, elite termite pest control, something like that? Yeah. And they come in and they spray the entire outside and they spray the entire inside every two months. They come to our house and do it. And my wife the other day, she says, honey, you know, we've been here 13 years and I've never seen a cockroach or a bug in a house. They must do a good job. I'm like, praise God they do. Keep doing a good job. And they've done a good job here too and all this. Praise God they keep that stuff away. I wish they had stuff for squirrels. I think we figured out part of the problem, though, on the roof yesterday. We, thank you, Brother Levi. We, I think we got it figured out in, in Jesus' name. If there's any more squirrels here, get out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But nonetheless, we don't want that, that. How many of you want to walk free of that roaring lion who's seeking about it? Watch this. Isaiah 35, verse 8. Check this out. A highway shall be there and a road. And it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, watch this, although a fool shall not go astray. You know what that tells me? If you're walking on the highway of holiness and you stay on that highway, you won't go astray even if you're foolish. But watch the next verse. No lion shall be there, nor any Ravenous beasts go up on it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. Maybe the reason the devil's been picking on you too much is because you're not walking in holiness. Maybe if you were walking on that highway of holiness. Okay, I'll just leave that there and let you think on that. I want to remind you, God would not tell us to do something if it were impossible for us. He would not say be holy if we couldn't. And by the way, whether it's an inward attitude change or an outward lifestyle change, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be holy. What's so amazing about grace is that God makes being holy possible. Holiness is not an obligation. It's an opportunity for you to reflect him in a dark world. Titus 2.11. Check this out. Titus 2.11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Can we just pause a minute and thank God that grace came to everybody? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful that grace is not prejudiced. I'm thankful that grace said, you know what, I'm going to appear to everybody. The young, the old, the rich, the poor. Come on, I'm going to appear to everybody. I don't care what ethnicity they are. I'm going to appear. I'm glad grace appeared to all men. I'm glad I had an opportunity to taste of the good word of the Lord. I'm thankful that grace came to Myron Powell when he was nine years old in a church in Houston, Texas. I'm so thankful that grace appeared to all. But notice there's a comma. Grace didn't just come to save me. Grace didn't just come. Brother Jeff, come here. Please. I should have said please first. Jeff, please come here. Remember, this is justification. 
The path to the piano is sanctification. The piano is glorification. Grace didn't just save me and say, all right, good job, see you later, and leave me there. But unfortunately, a lot of people stop there. I've been saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Woo! They shout and dance about being saved. But they go back out the doors and they're living unholy. Listen, if you're talking in tongues on Sunday and cussing on Monday, you might need to make it to an altar today. Yeah, I'm being nice. Are you hearing me? Grace didn't just come. Step down here for a minute. Grace didn't just come to pick me up out of the mess of sin I was in and lift me higher. Grace didn't just come to do this. Grace came to teach me this is how you walk in holiness. This is how you deny ungodliness. This is how you take it step by step. Because you see, there's a day coming. There's glorification coming. And if you'll keep just walking on this path, if you'll just keep your eyes focused on that, don't look to the right, don't look to the left, don't get distracted. Just keep walking. Thank you. That grace came to teach, not just to save. And look, look at verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope, that glorious appearing. And he comes back around in verse 14 to the reason for grace, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us Watch this. From all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. If God saved me out of this pit, why do you think I'd want to go back to it? So authentically, being authentically holy is saying, he saved me from that. I'm walking to that. I'm leaving behind that, going to that. Amen. Holiness is a part of our salvation. Let me, let me say all that little visual aid this way. God will love you where you are, but he won't leave you there. His grace will bring you deeper. You see, justification makes you Right with God. Sanctification, this life we're living, this daily holiness, this perfecting holiness in the fear of God life, this putting off and cleansing ourselves of the flesh and the spirit. Sanctification makes you holy like God. And glorification when He comes will make you eternal with God. Ah! Oh! Oh, what a thing to be looking for. You know, daily I'm becoming more like him. I'm looking like him. I'm acting like him. I'm... It happened this morning. I, I was mad at about a situation, and, and, and God spoke to me. He said, you're going to be preaching about holiness. You need to pray. So I went in my study. I prayed. I said, God, forgive me. I love, I love that person. and I forgive him in Jesus' name and, and help me not to have a bad attitude about it. Why? Because that's just as unholy. Mm. Come on now. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that that new birth experience, you know, a lot of people just summarize tongues and they'll say that speaking in tongues is the initial sign, the initial evidence. And I don't disparage it. I agree. In some sense it is. 
if that's the truth, and it is, then the secondary evidence is bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And that's being holy. Bearing the fruit of the Spirit is holiness. Because if you love one another as He's loved you, if, if you have that joy and that peace and all that, that's holy. <clears throat> to only accept grace in salvation from sin but ignore its lessons on living holy is to be incomplete and unholy. Hmm. Can you imagine if my suit jacket today didn't have an entire left side? No left lapel, no left arm. It just had a right side. You would probably think, okay, Bishop, what kind of fashion statement are you going for here? Right? You would wonder, did... Did you buy a suit that was, you know, did you get that on the clearance rack or something? It's not complete. Right? Did it rip and you just didn't change? What happened? Because it would be incomplete. It's the same. If grace only saves me but doesn't make me holy, then it's incomplete. And I'm not letting it have its full work. So I have a question today. Who will let grace be your teacher and obey its lessons? Who will choose to submit to God and deny ungodliness and worldly lusts? Who will choose to live soberly and righteously and godly, reflecting His light in this dark world? Who will eagerly anticipate His coming and live holy so that you can join and be in hope and eternity with Him? Did you know, we know God's salvation was from before the foundation of the world. We, we've established that in many messages and many verses have, have clarified that. But take a look at Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 for just a minute. It says, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. There's salvation. There's its preordination element of before creation. He's a savior. But watch, it came that we should be holy. Grace did not just come to save us and set us on a pedestal in a museum somewhere and say you're saved. Grace came to make us holy. God didn't save you to do what you want to do. He saved you to be holy and blameless in love. And let me say this. Holiness should always be in love and it should never be ugly. It's always beautiful. Watch this. First Chronicles 16, 29. Give unto the Lord glory, do His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That phrase actually there in, the, in that verse means in holy attire. He says the same thing in Psalm 96, 9. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Holiness is in love, and holiness is beautiful. And when it's done right, and when it's done biblical, it's best. A few years ago, uh, I think it was last year Carmen died. It was last year, 2022? Yeah. But many, many years ago, he took a season of prayer and fasting, along with uh, Keith Brown another contemporary singer of that era. And from that, he wrote a song, or a different person wrote the song, but he produced it and sang it 
called Hunger for Holiness. I, I just want to sing the course for you as we close out the first half. This says this. Lord, I hunger for holiness and I thirst for the righteousness that's yours that my mind would be cleansed and my spirit renewed and this temple that you dwell in would be pure. That's the heart of being authentically holy. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. I invite you to be back for worship at 1120. We're going to have a great time. I believe God's going to do some great things. And so greet one another, bless one another in our break, and we'll see you in about 10 minutes.